Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield and Next Pro. I'm Harry Zethi. After the Reds' attack largely misfired on Sunday evening at Kenilworth Road, an understandably emotional Luis Diaz arrived to rescue a point against a disciplined Luton Town side. Freedom for Dad isn't something you ever expect to see a player reveal under their shirt, and I know I speak for everybody when I express our desire to see Lucho's father return home safely as soon as possible. Despite that disappointing draw, the Reds' direct opponents in the top six also faltered throughout the weekend, presenting the club side with the opportunity to re-establish their chase of current league leaders, City, this weekend, as they welcome Brentford to Anfield. Joining me this week to discuss the impressive journey the Bees have been on over the past few seasons, I'm delighted to welcome on lifelong Brentford fan and her Game 2 ambassador, Ali Malaley. And just a little heads up, uh, Ali did suffer from a few audio issues throughout the pod, so apologies for uh, any sort of faint uh, noise that you may hear uh, throughout her discussion with me. Welcome on, Alison. Good to speak with you. Uh, no, thanks for having me. Of course. And um, I think the, the Brentford-Liverpool games since Brentford sort of uh, were promoted into the Premier League have been eventful affairs from the, from the very <laughs> first one, let's face it, but they're not... They're not ones where it's going to be a dull nil-nil or whatever like that. It's it's always been a lively affair. Uh, and I think it speaks to just, yeah, the the level of organisation, the level of meticulous preparation that goes in from from Brentford, from the management. Um, and we've had a number of really great conversations with, with fans and journalists over the past few seasons ahead of each game. But um, we'll, we'll dive into all that and we'll, and we'll dive into sort of how the season's gone so far. But... Um, I, I wanted to sort of ask you to cast your mind back to to last season first, actually, if, if we don't, if you don't mind, and you know, finishing ninth in the Premier League, um, uh, Ivan Tony, top goal scorer in all competitions, I think, it was on, on about twenty twenty one goals. 20, yeah. Was it? Yeah, twenty twenty one goals. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to get your your thoughts on on how last season went, the progress you think the side had made from from the first time in the, back in the Premier League, and yeah, just your your thoughts come the end of the season. Uh, it was it was an interesting one, wasn't it? Because I think uh, the media in particular, and uh, uh, to an extent, fans of other clubs, thought the the whole narrative was, "Oh, oh, oh Ericsson's gone. That's it. They're screwed." And uh, second season syndrome and all that. And um, we were always pretty confident that we were not a one man team. 
um, as we proved. And uh, yeah, we, we really kicked on. I don't think any of us thought that we would quite get to the point where we almost qualified for Europe. Um, I think that was a probably a bit of a blessing in disguise, especially with the number of injuries we've picked up this season and with Tony being suspended. So finish ninth really was, you know, I think and the club was expected to finish. I think they expected us to improve on the previous season and we probably expected to stay around as fans, probably thought we would stay around where we'd been the previous season. Um, but to almost, to get within touching distance of qualifying for Europe was a fabulous achievement. Um, yeah. And but, but, you know, it ended with a, a bit of a down of river, obviously, with Tony getting banned and um, obviously, I mean, and le- leaving good note but we do still very much miss it with Pontus Janssen our club captain going back to his to play for his boyhood club Malmo so uh, that was quite an emotional mm-hmm. last game last game of the season for us but yeah it's it was a fabulous season and uh, you know some again some fabulous results that that fantastic 11 game unbeaten run we went on and um, mm. the 2-1 you know doing the double over City was like <laughs> phenomenal especially at the Etihad we were just like oh, we were yeah. all there going what is going on what is going on you know but yeah, I remember yeah just flawless counter-attacking if I remember rightly on that day yeah it was um yeah as a as a Liverpool fan you you wouldn't be surprised to hear me it was a joy to watch seeing a, a side do the double over City <laughs> someone yeah. else like <laughs> helping people out um unfortunately Liverpool weren't in the position to, to take no. any sort of advantage of it last season but um yeah you certainly did your job I think like when it came to sort of uh like humbling them both um, home and away and mm. uh, I mean I was going to ask you actually I mean were there other games as well that you remember last season that you think were really like um like big oh, results. Oh, yeah. Obviously, the, the Liverpool win three one was fairly fairly comfortable in the end as well. Man United four 0 Man United four 0 oh, First course. home game, first yes. home game of the season. Ericsson comes back and uh, you know <laughs> Brentford. They're nothing without Ericsson. We probably something four 0 I mean, they were an absolute were shambles awful, that day. They are an absolute shambles at the moment. To be fair, um, but uh, yeah, they were awful. But I mean, we were so good that day. I mean, it was just mm. like you know we we're Brentford. We don't beat Man United four 0 It was like unbelievable unbelievable and it was it was one of those days I don't know about you but it was really hot I love what something's really nice about watching football when it's hot mm. <laughs> it's not like rather than wrapped up in 20 coats it was just a perfect day so that that was an absolutely fantastic result so yeah um and obviously there's the city game it's I think the city game probably just edges it because <laughs> they were in such good form and we just you know we didn't give Harlan a sniff which is the other thing so yeah Two, two, two big games, and uh, yeah, the Liverpool one isn't too far behind. No, no, I, I think I think it's because you got previous against Liverpool at this stage, right? So it's sort of expect to not at Anfield, not at Anfield. We have true. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, let's sure that it, listeners are hoping for that. I think, but um, yeah, yeah, some of those results. I actually, I always forget about that uh, that opening. Um, really early game against against United, the four 0 win, um, which I I shouldn't do. I should I should I should remember it more fondly. Um, and you're right, we have come full circle, right? <laughs> Back to being um, uh, somewhat uh, somewhat of a shambles. But I remember that day. Yeah, just another example. As I think there were plenty throughout the season, a very organised team who knew exactly what they were doing, what their roles were, and how to get the most out of the, some of their parts. And a side that didn't didn't have that cohesion. And I think we're Seeing similar actually um, at, at this point, which is slightly odd given how long Ten Hag's now now been there. Yeah. But um, 
you mentioned Tony, and it's almost impossible not to not to focus on him. And, and as you probably won't sort of be speaking about him too much, like throughout the rest of the pod, given he's not been there. Um, I mean, last season, uh, I think that you spoke about you know people having views about Brentford. Maybe they'd fall away after Ericsson left, but I think people also had questions. I think around around Tony uh, and sort of mm. like you know what what kind of striker was he and like yeah. I was struck when I think um, Brentford first played Liverpool just about just how much work rate the guy put in uh, when he wasn't being a goal threat to, to, to sort of create disruption and sort of bring others into play. Um, and throughout last season, I was yeah very clinical when you need, needed him to be. Obviously, the penalty technique that he seems to have taught on Burma as well. But um, yeah, he seems like there's, there's a lot to his game. I think he really showed that last season, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think he's, I mean, I think one of the things we missed, I noticeably missed this season, is obviously you can't take 20 goals out of a team and not be effective yeah, in some way. Yeah. Obviously, we do miss his finishing, although Mbomo in particular has really stepped up. Um, Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. What maybe fans of other clubs don't know too much is how much he does defensively. He's such a key part, of, especially mm. defending set pieces. And I, I think we have really missed that this season. And his link-up play as well. And also, we've generally had two out balls when we're under pressure. One is to Tony, to kick, to kick it long to Tony to flick, out, flick it on. And the other is to Rico Henry, who we've lost for this season to an ACL. So we've had to adapt to, you know, our out ball, our favourite out balls in two separate ways. But yeah, I mean, obviously he's a huge miss. You don't take 21 goals out of a team. It's like, it's like, and not miss, miss a player. You know, it's like take Salah out of Liverpool. It's it, it's a similar thing. You, yeah, you can adjust and you do adapt. And I think we've done that really well this season. Um, we'd be higher up the table and we would have you know matches we've drawn we would probably have won we may well have won if we'd had Tony it's you know it, it, it is what it is you know we you know we just have to deal with it we're do, dealing with it quite well Um, and uh, we'll have to see what happens in January yeah I think like, like you were saying there I mean I always find it funny actually when um you see people saying saying things like, "Oh, yeah, Liverpool are great," but you know, without Salah, and you go, "Oh, yeah, w- w- without without their top goal scorer on this side, yeah. wouldn't be as effective." And you go, "Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's yeah. true." <laughs> I think that happens to happens to most sides. If you take their apart from like, Spurs, it seems, but <laughs> yes, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, actually. Um, although, yeah, we'll, we'll see if they've turned a corner now after uh, what was a yeah, pretty frenetic frenetic game on. What uh, a game that was! It was yeah, a mad game, wasn't it? I love that. As a neutral and as somebody who obviously been burned by VAR, and she's, I was, I have to say, I was somewhat happy to see the way the way it unfolded. <laughs> but um, you mentioned Tony, yeah, the goals. Um, yeah, like I was saying, I, I've always been struck by just how good he was at holding the ball up and sort of like 
uh, enabling some of those counterattacks or a, a, a pressure release valve when sort of Brentford needed it. Um, like like you mentioned, Rico Henry also being being out as well. Um, then like come the end of the season, then you know maybe ahead of schedule, finishing ninth, like more than some fans had expected. Um, another season where you sort of aware, okay, we're going to lose this player for a while now, um, and we're going to have to find ways to uh, replace or, or try and mitigate against the impact that he 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 brought for the side. Um, and, and I want to talk about sort of the players that that came in um, and what you thought the approach was from from the club in terms of sort of like how they were going to deal with the fact that you know someone like Tony wasn't going to be there, uh, and also I suppose just your view on. What were the areas of the team that you thought, okay, these probably need to improve if we're going to kick on? Um, I, I think the club, I think the, the general consensus would be that the club had struggled to get the players that they wanted in generally in the transfer window with the exception of um, Black and the goalkeeper uh, who's come in and replaced Ray and Nathan Collins from Wolves who's actually really come into really good form in the last yeah, couple yeah. of games. Um uh, the plan was, um, I think, I'm not party to it, the plan was, I think, to eventually get Kevin Sharder to become the man up top um, and to have quite a fluid front three between Sharder, Wister and, um, and Bomo. But then uh, Sharder managed to injure himself in the in a warm-up. I can't remember which game it was. Oh, it was the, oh God, it was that awful game against Everton. Um, injured himself in the warm-up against Everton. So he's now out until at least after Christmas. Um, right. So Malpais come, come in, which... Every single Brentford, despite what every, the fast of the club, every single Brentford club fan absolutely loved Malpay. We absolutely adore the guy. Mm. Um, so he's come in and actually he got his first goal this weekend, but his link-up play with Mbomo and with Witter. So those three working together, um, it, it's about having quite a fluid front three. And I think that's how, how the plan has been to cope with it. And those front three moving around, and I think that that's worked really well for us. I think we have our biggest problem at the moment is we only have one fully functioning full fit fullback because Henry is injured now, and uh, now Aaron Hickey's out as well. So uh, we've got uh, makeshift. <laughs> you'll you'll be looking forward to this makeshift. Uh, one of our fullbacks is going to have to be a makeshift for a while. Mm. Um, so. I think we've had to adapt so many different things and having to play in so many different ways because we've just not had personnel we thought we were going to have at the beginning of the season. You know, everybody's just got injured left, right and centre. We've picked up, you know, we keep hearing about Liverpool's injury list, Newcastle's injury list, Spurs' injury list, and, you know, injury list. And as I always say, my heart bleeds for these clubs with their massive squads. You know, we've got, we had a whole T11 out injured until last week when Ben Mee back so it's it's really I think Thomas Frank has really earned his money because he's had to adapt almost every game um personnel wise and um I, th- I think we do need to strengthen more in in the transfer market we've needed a, we've needed another left back for a long time um Hickey can play right or left so when Henry got injured he went over to the right now Hickey's injured so we literally don't have a left back um, and I think we could do, we really need another more creative midfielder. We have Jensen who has been, is, has been absolutely flying, is been superb for us this season. But, you know, we're him and there's very little creativity in our midfield, especially if Dan's guys are injured. So I think 
we need to strengthen the midfield and we would I think everybody would say that we we need to to look at our fullbacks and that's what we've not managed to do so I think yeah. there's been good transfer business and Flecken is just coming into his own as goalkeeper now he's struggled at the beginning as keepers often do when they come to the Premier League um, and Nathan Collins has been a fantastic signing from Wolves uh, but yeah I think and I think Malpay will continue to grow with us um, but I think that you know fullbacks in the midfield I think is where people would say we really that we may need to address that in not if not in January certainly in the summer yeah, and I think uh, the the Mopay signing seems seem like a, an intelligent one as well. When you're sort of talking about the the amount of disruption that you're you're dealing with, just just getting people mm. into who understand mm. the system, have that relationship yeah. with players already. So yes, it took him a while to score his first goal, but you know, it's it's it has that understanding. That, yeah, the, at least that aspect of the system is going <laughs> to operate. Well, he had an assist in his. He's played three. He's played three times, and he had an assist in his first two. Mm. And then a goal, so you know. Oh, was that it? Okay, two, sorry. Yeah, I think two, I, two assists and a goal. So yeah, I saw some sort of headline that was su- suggesting that it had taken him ages or whatever. But is that yeah, okay? That's that's uh, yeah, <laughs> more for me looking at the headlines, right? But uh, the, the, yeah. the other point, what you mentioned there, obviously, that sort of the, the goalkeeper now coming a bit more into his own. Um, that move, I think, caught a lot of people off guard as well. Obviously, David Raya going to uh, to Arsenal um, on loan, and kind of an interesting. Um, well, I say interesting. I mean, I don't really believe in it in terms of sort of the uh, the rotation of your number one um, like across competitions. I think I've I've seen it in the past where you can have sort of a, a goalkeeper who comes in and performs maybe in the cups for you, and then there's another goalkeeper who stays in uh, for the league games. But yeah, just want just wanted your opinion on on Raya's departure. Uh, like, felt a little bit strange to see him. I mean, obviously, big opportunity for him, but. Um, yeah, just your view of of him as a goalkeeper and that sort of the the way in which that move came out of the came out of the blue. Uh, it didn't come out of the blue to us. It, it didn't. did not come ah. out of the blue to us. No, because he only he only had a year left on his contract, and um, it was it was really made pretty clear by the club that you know if the right the money was right then then he would go. And it's sure, the loan sure. is is sort of like basically. Arsenal circumventing financial fair play so it's pretty much after a certain number of games I believe it comes an obligation to buy for I think it's around 30 million so to us it didn't come as a huge surprise and um, the club had planning they they went after Flecken and they got Flecken Hmm. Um, we had Flecken in before Raya went Uh, but he is uh, and there will be people who scoff at this because he's, he's still finding his feet at Arsenal but he is he is a superb goalkeeper. For me, he's one of the best goalkeepers of the league. He is probably behind Allison and Edison, probably the third best keeper in the league. He's superb with his feet, really good with his feet. He could spray a pass. I mean, I remember the first time we played you at ours. Yes, I remember Klopp, Klopp was, referred to yeah. him as a number 10. And yeah. he is, he is that good with his feet. And he pulled off some absolutely, he pulls off some crack, well, certainly for us, pulled off some absolutely cracking saves. And I think it's, you know, I think he's struggling a little bit at Arsenal, but so often you see this with goalkeepers when they've got a new defence. And I think Arsenal's defence has, has shifted a little bit. Uh, mm. But, uh, you know, he, he, he as a goalkeeper, he plays such a high line. His starting position is so high. And that's that's clearly what Arteta wants, um, you know. And he's clearly Arteta's number one, whatever people want to say. And he, I don't think that's going to change. But I mean, he's a massive loss because you know he take he was he was a massive loss to us, a massive loss. Um, we can't pretend otherwise. 
Uh, and it, it, you know, Flecker's got really big boots to fill there. Absolutely. No, yeah, I, I think as mentioning sort of seeing his fortunes and also contrasting it with uh, Andre Anana as well. So another goalkeeper sort of well known for his distribution and yeah. just how that how both of them have been doing under the spotlight. As you can imagine, every mm-hmm. every team taking the opportunity to press them like crazy and just test out mm-hmm. that distribution. And yeah, it's uh, it's. I think even though it's been a number of seasons now since fans have sort of started to expect their goalkeeper to be to be good on the ball, comfortable mm. with distribution. I think fans still find it a little bit hard. Uh, th- there's going to be that teething process. You have to go through it a little bit. Um, if, you want a, if, you, if you want a really good ball-playing goalkeeper who's yeah. good with their feet and is going to do that sort of thing, you have to accept that as part of that, it will sometimes go wrong. And when it goes wrong, it goes horribly wrong. I mean, we saw it with Raya. It happens, it happens occasionally. Obviously, at Arsenal, he's in a much bigger spotlight. Mm. So you know when he does break, when it does go wrong, it all gets blown up. But um, especially with the Ramsdale situation, if Ramsdale wasn't yeah. in there and he'd come in clearly as number one, I don't think there would have been quite. He's almost got double the attention on him because of the whole situation with Ramsdale. If that makes sense, I think so, it makes yeah it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, yeah. I, to, I was just going back to thinking about sort of the uh, the Allison introduction, um, and there was this uh, there was a, one particular game. I think it may have been against Brighton where uh, somebody's charging him down and he's just basically sort of like dinks it over the player's head uh like controls it again passes it on probably gave half the stand sort of some sort of like heart, heart condition <laughs> watching Raya frequently gave me heart condition right um and Flecker did something similar the other week and it was like oh my god I can't watch yeah. do that he pulled it off completely and actually part of me does miss those days uh, but I think he's been told not to do that since um <laughs> since but um if, if we move on to this season then and sort of obviously look at how things have um, been going and it was a, a slower start than perhaps well maybe outsiders expected who weren't aware of the injury crisis weren't, weren't aware of the fact that all these players are missing and there's been a sort of a a, a struggle for cohesion if you want given sort of the, the amount of changes that, that Frank's been having to deal with but what are you made of of the start to the season quite a few draws in there um uh oh obviously that great win over Fulham in the in the uh in the second game of the season, but you know, what have you made of the season so far? And have, have there been any particular games you, that you look at and go, well, that sort of tells the story of our season so far, really, in terms of what we're dealing with? It's interesting, actually, because obviously we've just had these three three back to back wins, back to back wins, of course. Yeah. yeah, but but even prior to that, we were only had three points less than what we had at the same point the previous season. Yeah, so okay. you know, it it sort of like it's not really that slow a start, and. Arguably, um, well, we definitely should have had three more points. You know, it's still like just a one-man show from Scott McTominay, which was absolute at United. Oh, which was oh absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolute sickener, absolute sickener. That I remember, somebody turned to me. I, you know, it was the ninetieth minute, and somebody said to me, "Oh, it's all right. The breeze with McTominay on. We're going to be fine." <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't have yeah. said that. You really shouldn't have said that. I have, um, I have, I have said actually to. To quite a few of my friends who uh, who happen to support Man United, unfortunately for themselves, that um, yeah, whenever I whenever I see Scott McTominay doing well and in the first team, it's usually a sign that United as a team aren't doing that well. So it's unfortunately you better you yeah. better be on the brunt end of that. Yeah, and then then we had to, then we of course we went to Chelsea the following week and it's one 0 going into stoppage time and we just got oh I just said oh no it can't happen again. And oh. unfortunately Chelsea are pretty poor in front of goals. So. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, we we started off, we started off all right. 
um, obviously the win against away to Fulham was fantastic. I mean, we until Burnley a couple of weeks ago, we hadn't managed to to win at home, which is really unusual. So we had a lot weird. of draw. We'd, yeah. They'd, yeah, that's weird. We had a lot of draws. We had that absolutely. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. game against Everton. I mean, I think of the draws, I think it would be fair to say that with all those draws, we were not playing badly. We were just not getting the results. We had a bit of bad luck. We had a new keeper, Edward Shifting defence, and um, that was the result. He has probably conceded goals that we would have conceded. I think that's settled down quite a lot now, and that's shown Mm. in the last few games. Um, I, I would say performance, there was only... But the only bad performance was Everton, and that was that was just shocking. That was an absolutely shocking mm. performance. I mean, fair play to Everton. They they came, they, you know, they knew what they were going to do. They came and they executed their plan. But we were absolutely awful that day. So I think we all felt that the performances were there. Okay. It was just really frustrating that we were getting ahead in games. We we dropped a lot of points from winning positions. We were getting ahead in games, and then. You know, giving away late goals or, you know, losing, you know, I think Forest away was a, another one where we, we got up, we got 1-0 up, they had a man set off. And, you know, you felt we should have gone for, you know, we need to go for the jugular really and finish them off and we didn't. And then they, they got a goal back and that was really disappointing. So I think until about three weeks ago, it felt like the story of our season with the Fulham game being an outlier, which was, we were superb that day. We were really good that day. Um, story of our season was we were getting ahead in games we were getting ourselves on top and then we were just letting teams back into it and it was getting it was right. quite frustrating yeah so we we seem to have kicked on a bit from that in the last three games and um uh, we're hoping we can maintain it but I think it's I think uh Anfield is a big ask for us at the moment yeah and of course I think it was the was it the three consecutive wins at Stamford Bridge for for Brentford now so yeah. it was nice you yeah. know it was nice to go there yeah. and yeah. I think you're right they are obviously at the moment um despite being quite competitive against Liverpool um right this other season they, they do appear to be quite a weird side um certainly watching them against uh, nine men of Tottenham uh not being yeah. able to figure out the very obvious Yes. Tap in, boys. <laughs> There's a tap in here for you every single time. Uh, for yeah. a while, you could see Pochettino, I think, on the bench, like being staggered that they hadn't figured it out. Um, and it eventually got there. But yeah, I think they're sort of a strange side, but that doesn't make the, the record any less, um, any less impressive. No. Um, and a good win over West Ham as well. I think I, I saw some of those. Goals yeah, no, there. no, it was, it was a good win. It was a good win over West Ham, and especially as we had to come from behind as well. Mm. You know, having got ourselves one nil up and then, called that a 
fantastic goal to be yeah, fair yeah. by him a fantastic goal and uh, yeah and then we went 2-1 behind and uh, but we came out really all guns blazing second half and uh, I think we I think we thoroughly deserved that win so that was a really good result to you know come from being behind and, and get the win there absolutely and um, you mentioned a little bit, uh, you know, sort, sort of the away record, or actually the the home record, perhaps not being mm. what you what you would expect, and obviously sort of being keen to um, like get that right as the season goes on. I, I wanted to ask I me, mean, Thomas Frank is what five years now is it at um, at Brentford for for Thomas Frank? Um, yep. Uh, sort of interesting. I think when you get to that like, like period of longevity at a club, people start to sort of. Uh, wonder how you're going to try and re- uh, do you have to try and reinvent yourself like is your is, is your message still getting through to the players and I'm, I'm not suggesting there's any of that but um have you noticed any um you, you said he's been earning his money this season largely because he's, he's having to react to sort of players dropping left and right but um have there been any shifts from him this season in terms of, sort of how Brentford are playing or have, have you noticed that over the season since since coming up to the Premier League um I, I don't think I mean I think it's difficult, really. I mean, I, I still find it surprising that we tend to play a long ball out from the goalkeeper. It's almost, at times, it has almost felt like we're playing a ball out to Tony, who's not there. Yeah. <laughs> With the best one in the world, Whistler ain't, ain't great at holding the ball off and, you know, flicking the ball on. It, it, yeah. It's not his strength. Just so but used I to think, it, yeah. yeah, I think I think we have adapted. I think he has adapted. I think he's far more used to find a, a system that was worked and when the system worked he would stick with that system and stick with that system and stick with that system until it wasn't working and then he'd change it eventually it became really obvious that he'd change it whereas now he he quite happily flip-flops between different systems not just between games but during games will flip-flop to a system it doesn't always work sometimes you go oh you know those substitutions really haven't helped us but you know he's he can be very, he's very fluid and very reactive to situations within games now, which I would have said a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, he wasn't. He needed to react more to the situation in the game. And I think, weirdly, because everybody said, people said the five sub rule won't help the smaller clubs. And I think it's almost helped us, almost helped him. I think he thrives off that five sub thing a lot of the time. So I think he's a far more, he's far better at reacting to in game situations. He had, he's far more being able to change the system within the game and between games. And I think he's a far less, far less tied into to certain ways of playing than he was. And I think the whole benefited from it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think there was definitely the sense that sort of landed on a plan, lots of like sort of very, very heavily he- uh, rehearsed sort of, um, work on the training ground I mean the I mean we still are very we don't get me wrong we're still pretty reliant on set pieces and you know well rehearsed moves I was going to ask actually uh, yeah you know that's really that's really a really important part of what we do well rehearsed moves well rehearsed set pieces very important part but you know what I'm saying is I think in terms of how he sets up for games and how he sets up in games sure he's far more fluid and uh far more flexible than, than he was maybe three years ago Absolutely, I think yeah, I think that's almost down to necessity at times. Actually, in the Premier League, I think yeah, these new five sub, the new five sub rule does um does allow you that flexibility to change it completely if you suddenly realise actually this is 
this isn't working um mm. you i mean i mean a lot a lot's been made obviously of those set piece routines i mean definitely in the games where yeah you know, i've been sort of like heavily focused on them in terms of the liverpool matchups i've always noticed sort of the um some of the creativity around those set pieces not just being some you know like the some of the standards swinging into the box and hoping uh, someone's going to make a, a good connection with it. I think there's been like a lot of moves you've seen over the past few seasons where you're, you're, you're dragging defenses um, all, all around to try and sort of get them unsettled and actually mm. free up some space for you. And um, yeah, it's always been, always been a very impressive aspect of Brentford's game. And um, one point I wanted to jump onto now actually was you, you, you spoke a little bit about Nathan Collins finding his feet of late and, um, having more of an impact, but I want to ask who who those key players have been for for Brentford so far. You mentioned Jensen trying to fill that creative vacuum a, a little bit in midfield as well. Um, who have been the others that, like so far, you've spotted have really been trying to or have established themselves as key figures this season? Yes, Ambomo, uh, yeah. Ambomo, undoubtedly. Yeah. I mean, he's he's really stepped up in the absence of Tony. Um, he's been absolutely brilliant this season. He's he, he scored a lot of goals. He's assisted a lot of goals. He works tirelessly. I mean, he runs his socks off and he has been brilliant, really has. I think, uh, as I mentioned, Matthias Jensen, he's, he has been superb. I mean, we always felt we've had him for a long time. And then back at he's come up, we had him in our last two years in the Championship. And the feeling... You know, there was he was one of those players for a long time that divided the fan base. You either thought Jensen was a good player, really good player, really liked him, or or you hated him um, because he he genuinely has a real gift. He's a he's a very creative player. He can see a pass that that other players and make a pass that other players can't make. But until eighteen months ago, he just wasn't consistent enough. People, you know. So a lot of play, a lot of fans would get on his back because he wasn't consistent enough, and maintained to my dying day that very similar type player to, in many ways, to Ericsson. Um, he 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 works a lot harder. He does a lot more defensively and um, and works hard in the press. He does a lot in the press, but in terms of his creativity and his passing, I think just having those few months where he's working with Ericsson on the training ground every day. I think it, it completely transformed him in some way as a player. And he's just stepped into that that Ericsson-shaped hole and made it his own. And he was great last season. This season, he's he's gone up another level. He's been absolutely outstanding. Um, and, you know, I think every every fan at Brentford now thinks he's like God's gift, where half of them hated him like two or three years ago. Um, so, yeah, he's been brilliant. And I would also say that, yeah, like I said, Collins as sort of like a, a John Stones type centre-half and the fact that he's a really progressive ball-playing centre-half, he'll bring the ball out. Um, but as with Stones in his career, he's probably got, always got a mistake in him. But, he, you know, he's really settled in the last couple of games and I think he's just going to go from strength to strength. He's, a, he's the Irish Maldini, as we like to say. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> That is good. Yeah, uh, it's like a, it's a, a Scouse Cafu uh, many many seasons back, and all these different yeah these nicknames that come out of the woodwork. Um, before we get to the, the Liverpool game itself, actually, I, I want to ask you. I mean, when when sides like not say overachieve, but like when sides are ahead of schedule in terms of their progress and their development, I think last season was a real strong one for for Brentford. Um, how do you think that shifted? 
um, if at all, fans' expectations about what's possible or what should be possible um, this season. You know, I, I think we're, we're perhaps in an interesting territory with Brighton right now as well in terms of sort of maybe where fans' expectations are about what they're what they're what they should be doing, what they are doing, and sort of just how greatly they're outperforming their resources as well. Brentford, another like wonderful example of that. Um, where are your expectations at for this season? Where do you think the fan base's sort of expectations are at, like for, think, for what Brentford should be achieving this season? I think it's I think it's a little bit divided. I think for those of us who've been going to Brentford for a long time, there's still this right. sort of like. Oh my God, we're here! <laughs> um, expectation, and it's all like we could get relegated at any minute, and it could all go horribly wrong. Um, I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan. I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. I think the majority of the fan base are realistic enough that, you know, mid-table, I mean, even to the extent of, getting, you know, staying in the division this season, you know, without Tony, um, the number of injuries we have, we, we feel we're a little bit of a team in, in transition at the moment. Um, so I think we felt that this was a season just to, to sort of like um, almost being a holding pattern rather than kicking on for a lot of people. That a lot of people feel that way. You always get an element of the fan base who think you should be doing more and you should have bought this player and you should have bought that player and you should be doing this and you should have been doing that and because their expectations have been been raised. But I think generally we sort of like, as a cl- um, club, sort of like look at Brighton and it's sort of like we feel yeah. like we're, we're like, I don't know, three seasons behind Brighton maybe. Mm. Um you know, you look at Brighton in their first few seasons of the Premier League, it wasn't probably until ago that they weren't flirting with relegation every season. So, yeah. you know, I think we feel that we're, we're, the important thing at the moment is to make sure we're an established Premier League club and uh, that we that doesn't get affected. And I think, you know, the majority of our fan base will be happy this season with a, a, a nice, safe, uneventful season table finish and maybe a little bit of a run of the FA Cup just to, you know just to make things a bit more interesting no of course and I think yeah I think it's yeah it's, it's hard at times as well not to I think I, I, I've definitely heard from some fans as well but who it's like you, you look at others you, you look at Brighton for example and go okay well we should be doing that you know we should be mm. 
going and competing mm-hmm. at the highest level and you know, look at the way in which we, you know, we, we we go to Chelsea and we beat them. We, we, need, we should be beating United. We've been in City to the double <laughs> last season. Like, why can't we compete, right? It's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is amazing to see just how well-run clearly the clubs are. Um, and I think, but it's, but it's staying on that steady trajectory maybe that is actually um, brought such success, to be honest. But uh, I want to finish off, obviously, just by speaking a little bit about the game this weekend and uh, we spoke about the eventful matchups between Liverpool and and Brentford um since Brentford got promoted and it's yeah it's been like it's largely been quite uncomfortable to deal with like each each and every time it's it's, it's never been an easy fixture by any means and i think that that, that goes to the level of preparation clearly that goes into it and trying to find the weaknesses and exploit them and Liverpool last season much more fragile i think than Perhaps they are this season. Um, they're still not the finished article, but um, you, you then you then told me that oh, it's it's, it's been different at Anfield, right? It's, 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 it has <laughs> a different way. Um, so I, I wanted to sort of get your view on um, what you're expecting this weekend in terms of sort of the type of game and like w- what kind of approach you imagine Brentford will adopt um, being uh, being up at Anfield. Uh, we're going to go for it completely, play a really high line, and and try to. Sit. <laughs> oh, you're not do it. I can't try it the back foot. Try, <laughs> no. try it with nine men. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> we'll go and play like Tottenham with nine men. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, I, let's be realistic. You know, I think Liverpool have been flying um, this season, um, having had, like you said, sort of like quite a, by your side, a dodgy season last season. Um, I, I can't see us doing anything other than, than what we, we did at Chelsea is, is come in on the low block and sit on the low block and, 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 and try catch you on the break. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's a tough assignment for us. Um, best of times, um, especially going to Anfield, you know, it, it, you know, we all know it's an intimidating place for an away team to play. Um, you know, I, I do fear for us without an established left back with Salah going against a makeshift left back, I have to say. It's, um, right. Yeah, I, I think it, it it could be a difficult afternoon. I, you know, I think we can spend well on the low block. I think we'll set up with three at the back and two wing backs. I think mm. Ben Mee's got some minutes um, against West Ham, and I think he'll probably come into a back three with uh, Pinnock and Collins. But I think it'll be interesting to see who the wing backs are. I mean, I would probably say going at right. He'll move Roslev over to the left, but then you've got Roslev, who's actually our only fullback. Um, but then Roslev's a right footed player, but or he might put Jan out there at left back, who's played left back in the last couple of games. Um, that that is our biggest problem, I think, is lack of fullbacks is is um is is going to be an issue, and I think we'll we'll sit and just try and catch you on the break like we did against against Chelsea, but I think it's going to be mm. a lot harder. Because we gave we gave up a lot of chances to Chelsea, but they're rubbish at finishing. <laughs> I don't think we give up that many yeah. chances to Salah and the way Nunes is playing as well either. So you know, and I have to say, Trent does strike the fear of God into me a lot of the time as well. That's interesting. Um, okay. Uh, no, I I think oh, I think he's such a fabulous player. I think he's mm. a fabulous player, Trent. Um, so I think it's going to be a tough assignment for us. I. I Travel more in hope than expectation. But hey, I went to the Etihad traveling in hope more than expectation last yeah. season. So who knows? I was going to say, yeah, I mean, I think the, the Luton br- uh, blueprint is there in terms of the, uh, the, the approach they took about, um, 
just sitting in and looking to counter and eventually they got their got their chance to do so and and they took it yeah they're at home though they were at home they were at home yeah it was was a bit was a bit different for sure and um (laughs) yeah it was an off day for for mo yeah i do enjoy that uh, well let's hope mo has another off day yeah i was gonna say (laughs) i do enjoy thinking about that conversation that thomas frank's gonna have with someone like all right lads who who fancies it uh this weekend um up against salah because yeah he has he has been on yeah pretty incredible form this season and um trent actually is, is always nice to hear Trent getting some love actually I think um, because he does get a lot of stick his way as well but um, it's been interesting this season I think he's almost um, he's he's yet to fully take off I think and that's because he's he's playing this new sort of inverted role and sides are trying to crowd him out a little bit but because there's other threats I think it's you know he's he's, it's not not all on him anymore actually I think which he's he's probably like trying to figure his head out a little bit because he used to always go through, all through him and now it doesn't necessarily have to, which is sort of a strange, um, strange thing for him to to deal with. But yeah, I, I'm expecting like regardless of the injuries, regardless of the absences, that it's going to be not going to be a straightforward game uh, by any means. Um, they they rarely are straightforward, I'd say, to be honest, against, uh, against Brentford. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if um, Mbomo uh, has a has a solid game because as you say I mean I, I actually didn't expect him to to make the leap up that he has this season actually I, I, I felt he's really sort of taken on that mantle um, mm-hmm. uh, from Tony and taken on almost that leadership within the group so I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, give the guys a a, uh, a tough game but um, anyway I, I want to thank you just for obviously just for coming on and for sharing all your insight into yeah, the the journey the club's been on over the past few seasons, which, as you say, I mean, you, you sort of if, if, you, if you've been going for a number of years, you should never take it for granted. Never think no, it's going to be too ever slow, take any right? Of it for granted, no, no, never take any of it for granted. You know, it's but no, it's uh, only a you know only a go, but like we were in you know League One, and you know it's it's well, it's phenomenal, really, what we what we've done, um, and you know, just I think we still just have to enjoy every minute of it, you know, and. Uh, it's the Premier League. There will be hard, but tough days, but there's also great days, and uh, hopefully, the great days continue to outnumber the tough days. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's that's all you can hope for, certainly. But um, did did want to thank you again. Really, really do appreciate you coming on and, and all pleasure. the insight you've been sharing. But um, just before we wrap up, yeah, to all the listeners, um, hope you enjoyed the yeah, these rival recons uh, throughout the season. Uh, there will be another one. Ahead of a pretty low key fixture uh, on the twenty fifth of November, I think it's away away to a club called Manchester City, uh, so that will be fun. Um, <laughs> looking forward to that already. Early kickoff as well. We could give, right? give you some advice on that exactly, yeah, if, if you, you want. <laughs> Thomas Frank over a glass of wine or something after the game uh, would be great because um, yeah, I mean doing the double, yeah, I take that, I take that this season. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, as I'm sure the, the listeners have have seen, very tight up there at the moment so the opportunities do do appear to be uh, there for players to or there for teams rather just to, to stay in touch with City so yeah there will be another pod ahead of that fixture but between now and then of course there'll be a whole array of great content on the channel um, including some coverage of the of the Europa League game against Toulouse but yeah we'll be back again ahead of that game uh, intimidating game a little bit on uh, on the 25th of November uh, at Waker City We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. 
The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.